Dating Skills Podcast, episode 78. I'm your host, Angel Donovan, and today we're talking about relationship decisions and high-quality problems. So this is for really people who are already successful with meeting women, attracting women, and all of these skills we often talk about which start relationships with women. And today we're talking about the next step, relationship decisions, and what kind of relationship is going to fit you in your life. And we've really got an ideal person to talk about this, you're going to see in a second, Should you get into a committed marriage? Maybe one question you ask yourself, or perhaps should you get into committed polyamorous relationships, which is a completely different approach to it. Also a bit more niche, not as many people, but for some people, it's a question. Once you get good at this, once you have the options, you start to question a lot of things like if marriage is for you and so on. Now, that is a really positive thing that you question things because it's through that kind of process that you learn and you find what's right for you. Instead of just accepting things that have been given to you in society or by your environment, and we talked about this subject before, you actually find out what works for you and will make you happy and will make the person you end up with happy or the persons as you organize your life and how you decide you're going to lead your relationships Adam Lyons, a well-known pickup artist, recently announced his breakup from his wife, Amanda Lyons, of many years and revealed how his life has changed and he's now living with two girlfriends. So it's a very different style of relationship and he's again very happy. So I reached out to him to have him talk about this subject with his real life experience. You know, he's got and he's got a lot to share. Adam Lyons, who has also been known in the past as AFC Adam, is one of the most highly esteemed of the pickup artists. He gets the vouch and respect of a lot of the top pickup instructors, which is not an easy thing to get, as pickup artists insiders will tell you. Speaking as one of those insiders in many years, I can say we tend to give each other a hard time and want to see what someone's really made of, like actually watch with our two eyes and and see them before we can vouch for them and they get our respect. So something I think is important about him also is that he has both long-term committed relationships as in marriage to Amanda Lyons and a lot a casual dating lifestyle. So he has experience in both. And that's something that not all pickup artists have done. But a lot of them don't make the bridge to relationships, perhaps through their own decision, perhaps because it just doesn't work for them, or in some cases because they haven't developed the relationship skills. So Adam definitely has developed those skills and he's had a long-term committed relationship with Amanda Lyons. So Adam is also very candid in this interview, which is, you know, what we love here. We want to get reality. So he's freely talking about the details of his relationship with Amanda and how it changed over time. And I think there's a lot to be inspired by in terms of how the breakup went. And it's worked out really well for both of them, both Amanda and Adam. To get today's show notes, the interview transcript and the MP3 download, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast. And just select this episode from the list there. Or you can just go to datingskillsreview.com and click on podcasts in the menu to find all of it there. Now, today's episode question is, what is the best advice you got on making a relationship successful from this episode or elsewhere? Put your answer in the show comments on datingskillsreview.com and I'll pick the most useful comment to give a free coaching call and access to the Dating Skills Academy our exclusive member's site for learning dating skills as fast as possible. So for an opportunity to get that for free, answer any episode's comments. What is the best advice you got on making a relationship successful from this episode or elsewhere? Now let's get into this interview. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. 
This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships. To become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned. Chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step by step, episode by episode. Hey, Adam, it's great to be here downtown in LA. Yeah, dude, thanks for coming, man. It's yeah. my house. Very few people come to my house to interview me. I like, I'll invite people here so I can interview them. It's nice to do it the other way around. Yes, yeah, it's a great place. I'm only moving, but uh, it's really not a bad place. How long have you been here? Uh, I've been here since February. We came here from Austin, Texas. It was actually funny how I ended up here. I drove out to LA. No, I flew out to LA for a uh, like a marketing mastermind. And wow. I was to San Diego, actually, for the trafficking conversion. So I came out here for that. And then I came back to LA. I had some friends living in LA. I crashed with them and decided I just wasn't going home. And so I phoned my, my girlfriends and I was like, hey, I'm not coming home. I'm living in LA. You're allowed to come stay with me if you want. Like, if you want to move in with me, you're welcome to. Was this in January? This is in January, yeah. That's so funny because um, I was living in Mexico and I went <laughs> to traffic and conversion. Somehow we missed each other. Yeah. I saw a lot of the guys. Yeah. And I went back to Mexico and I decided... I wasn't going to stay there anymore. And I went to San Diego and I stayed there for three months. That's hysterical. Yeah, yeah. I did the same thing. I, I came out there and I just, I drove to LA and I just stayed in LA and, I, and my girlfriends picked up all my stuff and drove it out to me and, and I moved there. I've been in this apartment and I think we're going to move to just north of Malibu. We're kind of tired of city living. Right. I mean, in you're in the city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Malibu's beautiful. I Mountain mean, the stunning. beaches and everything. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you can appreciate that. And then you've got everything next to you as well. No, yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. I grew up in a city. I've lived in a city most of my life. I lived in the suburbs of Texas for a while, which I loved as well. And then I was like, oh, I miss the city. I'm going to come back to it. Been here for a year. And I'm like, yep, over. Yeah, time, to, Done. time to get out again. Yeah, over the city. Yeah, uh, I just want to sure. get some beauty back in my life. So we're here because you just recently announced a whole bunch of changes in your life. Yeah. And so it was a good time to get in touch with you. You haven't been on the podcast yet. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I have wanted to get you on for a while. So this Thanks, is a good man. excuse. Appreciate um, it. To talk about some interesting stuff for guys as well, because everyone goes through changes in their lives. Um, we don't tend to like make one choice in our life and stick with it for 50,000 years or, <laughs> or 80 years or however long we live these days. So yeah, what's been going on? Because because a lot, a lot of, if you take it back, maybe right to the start, like let's, let's go right back down to the start. Like you were in London <laughs> and you became this kind of famous pickup artist. Um, who's doing a lot of social circle and stuff. And then what happened? Because you met a girl. And- so yeah, so it's kind of fascinating. If, no one's ever bothered asking the story. Everyone assumes they know mm-hmm. and they make these assumptions. There's a lot of people online that speculate, but no one, no one really knew what happened. Mm-hmm. And what happened is I got really good. I didn't just get okay. I got like stupidly good at this. From back in the day, at that point, I started teaching people who now are known as some of the best instructors in the world. I've trained three different people who in different places have been voted the number one pickup artist in the world since I was number one. So I'm not just someone who has got good myself. I've got so good at passing the skill on that other people have become amazing at it. So very few people really understood where I went through. And I went through a really dark place. I'm back in London. We're going back like seven, eight years now. And I'm in a nightclub and I'm hanging out with uh, Vasetti, who now works for Love Systems, and a guy by the name of Jade, who went on to become a big um, venture capitalist uh, working in San Francisco um, with some incredibly big companies, got a lot of grants using game. So two people that I trained, uh, both were students of mine, 
um, at the time. Um, and, you know, one of them went on to become an instructor, a pickup, and the other one went on to use skills to make money. So two very different followings, but both, you know, had learned from me. And I'm sitting between them and I'm depressed. And they're like, what's up? And I was like, I don't want to talk to any girls. And I'm training them, but I don't want to do it myself. I'm like, come on, man, you love this. Like, we rocked up to the club with, I think we brought like over 60 girls that night with us. It was me, the two of them just brought the women to the club. Every girl in the club knew who we were. Everyone that didn't know who we were wanted to know who we were. We had free champagne. We're in like um, China Whites in London, which is still a, a very big club. Right, it's yeah. a different location now, but and we, we ran the club. Like everyone knew who the fuck we were. And I'm sitting there alone, bored. And he's like, what's up? And I was like, I've got to a point where game is so easy now. There is no challenge and I hate it. And my friend's like, what do you mean? I was like, look, just point to any girl here. Now, you know, you know, being a dating coach, one of the hardest things for a PUA to ever do is say, you pick the girl and I will pick her up. Um, it's something most guys hate doing. It's something I pride myself on. I developed the skill. I got very good at it and I could do it. And so he points this super hot, tall, six foot tall blonde. And I walk straight up to her within 30 seconds of making out. In the middle of the makeout, I pull away from her. I look at him and go, see? And I just push the girl away and walk away. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? She was all into you. I was like, right. Or like the other girl or the other one or the other one or, or the 14 girls that I'm currently fucking. I had a rotation. So in two a day, seven days a week, 14 girls. I was like, there's got to be something else to this. I, I hate it. One of my other friends said to me, not a PUA, just a, a very good friend of mine said, have you ever considered that you are so good at game that you're not getting what you want out of it? You're so good at giving other women what they want that you don't get what you want. Um, and I was like, well, I get what I want. I get laid. And I'm like, well, is that really what you want? What about companionship? And so I said to him, all right, I'm going to marry the next girl I meet. And the next girl I meet is this girl called Amanda. And she was this hot model from Ford Models. And she was in London. She was American. And it was cute. And I was like, done. This is the girl I'm going to marry. And so I started running a very long game. And of course, I didn't come out and tell everyone that it was just going to be the next girl that I met. Because there was no need to say that. I didn't want to be like, oh, this was an experiment. This is the woman I'm going to marry because it's a fucking experiment. But everything in my entire pickup career had been an experiment to that point. It was always, I wonder what happens if. I wonder what happens if. So I got married based on a, I wonder what happens if. And I changed some things. And, you know, I suppose the first lesson, when you're learning game initially, it's all about making the other girl work for you. You make her work harder. You're disinterested. You're not needy. Well, when it comes to falling in love, when you want to fall in love, not making them fall in love, but you want to fall in love, you have to invest again. And so for the first time, I started doing AFC things again. I bought flowers. I wrote poetry. I did the dumb shit that for years I had not done. And it worked. I fell in love. The more flowers I bought, the more I loved her. The more I chased her, the more I loved her. I, I generated love in myself. And, and I fell in love. And I married this woman and everything was wonderful. And we had a plan for our future. And we worked together. And she's an amazing instructor. She's a very intelligent person. And she's beautiful. And a family worth millions of dollars and they were helping me finance things and, and life was great but I wanted kids and I've wanted kids since I was 18 years old I wanted kids that's why I got into the game and uh, in my marriage um, everything was wonderful everything was great except the kid thing and what had happened was when we first got together we agreed that between three to eight years we'd have kids give or take something like that and then as the time got closer and we got to like three years she's like I'm more like 10 to 15 I do want to. When we first got together, she was twenty. Right. Married at twenty-one. Right. It's young, and and, and at the time, kids was something she was totally open to. As she and got how older, old, how old are you right now? Uh, I'm now thirty-four. Right. So, so that was like that there was, was like, like a six-year gap between yeah. us. Yeah. Um, suddenly, at this point, where she doesn't want to have kids, and I get that, but she wants them in the future. Mm. But it caused this rift because I didn't want to wait. And, and my dad's old. I, I've got a, or I had a fifty-three-year-old brother. He, he passed away last year. My dad's 75. 
I'm 40 years younger than my dad. I don't want to be 40 years older than my son. You know, I want my son to be at an age where he can play with me and we can go out and do awesome things. And I've always imagined that. It was like one of the big things in my life. And suddenly I'm with this woman. That if I stay with her, I don't have that one thing that defined me for so long, the four game. And I, I, we sat down and we spoke about it and we started trying to find solutions together we, in open communication. Mm-hmm. And one of them that she came up with was, why don't you sleep with somebody else and have a kid with them and we'll stay married. And it seemed like the best idea ever. I'm like, done, I can do that. And so we opened our relationship up. Right. And uh, was this? this was two years ago, give or take. Um, well, no, maybe even longer than that. Actually. It's been a year since then, so maybe three years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but three years into the relationship, we open it up. We don't tell anyone. We just keep it quiet. Right. And we start having an open relationship. And mm-hmm. she starts seeing a couple of other guys. Um, she was a virgin when we first got married. Right. Um, so she'd never had sex with anybody outside of me. And she kind of liked the idea of having sex with somebody else. And mm-hmm. I'm not controlling. I'm like, whatever. Have sex with whoever you like. It was funny because there were like all these things about like before we got married that she was cheating on me. I'm like, she's a virgin. Like, and I have confirmation of this because I had sex with her on our wedding night and she's a virgin. Like you can, you know, when someone's a virgin, the hymen tears and you're you're well aware of it. But, but we did then officially open it up and we sort of like side both seeing other people. And it was amazing. It did two things. It invigorated our relationship again we'd gone from having these arguments about having kids to having great discussions about sex and with other people and these awesome experiences that we were having and i met a girl who had become my best friend and i had more in common with this woman than any other girl i'd ever met including my wife um she was fun and beautiful and sexy and she had a kid already and she needed somebody to look after the kid and his dad was nowhere to be seen and I started with my wife. And if you go from my Facebook, you can see the pictures. Me, my wife, um, Brooke, her name is, and, and Brooke's little boy became a weird, awesome little family. And right. we looked after the little kid together. And I was having sex with Brooke. And Amanda was having sex with a couple of other guys. And, and life was great. And you're living in separate houses? Or? Living in separate houses. Right. But, but there was like Brooke this. Brooke would come around sometimes. Brooke, would, Brooke spent Christmas with us. Um, uh, I got stuck during um, Hurricane Sandy in New York City mm-hmm. and Brooke and Amanda went to Halloween together and partying together. Awesome. It was that kind of yeah. that kind of lifestyle. And one day I came home and me and Amanda looked at each other and we realized that and, and Amanda brought it up. My best friend I'm in love with. And I knew it and Amanda knew it. Mm-hmm. And Amanda had met another guy and she was really in love with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked at each other and I said to her, I'm gonna file for divorce. I was like, it's the right thing to do. I, I, I want to have a kid with this other girl. She's my best friend. I spend my time. I sit up until four o'clock in the morning in our house while you're in bed playing board games with, with my best friend. And I was like, and it sucks. And I, and I love you. And you're intelligent and beautiful and wonderful. And from a material level, she is everything you could ever want. But there's, yeah, there's a, there's a core element. There's something else, something the game can't quantify. Well, I mean... Can we quantify? Can you think about it a bit more though? Like, is, is this commonalities? Well, well, actually, yeah. You, you, no, you're right. You, you, can, you can quantify it a bit more. And, and over the last few years, I've seen more and more of what me and Brooke have as a connection. Yeah. Brooke has um, an amazing amount in common with me, more than any other human being I've ever met. Brooke has so much in common with me that I think if I'd have met her before game, we would have ended up in a relationship together based purely on common ground. I don't think I'd have had the game to get her. She's too out of my league or would have been too out of my league when we first got together. Um, but since then, game has definitely leveled that playing field. 
But the amount that we had in common, I think if we'd have been friends before, we probably would have had some kind of relationship together just based on what I know about how relationships typically form. I just don't think I would have kept her. I think uh, she's quite demanding and I didn't have the knowledge of how to handle that back then and I would have lost her. And so, yeah, so the common ground, the fact that I want a kid and she wants a kid, the fact that we have so much chemistry together. And you know, I can tell you, sex with Brooke is better than anybody I've ever had sex with in my entire life. And I've had sex with more women than I could possibly count. And we're in, we're in hundreds of women. Maybe thousands, I don't, I don't know. I, I stopped counting at like 30. And people make the mistake of thinking Adam's only slept with 30 women. I stopped counting at 30 and that was in my first like six months of learning game. And I've been doing it a hell of a lot long since. I've been in an open marriage and I've got an amazing girlfriend that likes sharing me with other women. I have no idea how many women I've slept with, but it's hundreds uh, at least. And I've never had sex as good as I do with Brooke. And she's inventive and unique and comes up with things that, that you don't read about or you don't see in porn. She, mm-hmm. she thinks of them and is like, we've got to do this. Right. Um, and, you know, I've, I've never, we went on a road trip. With it sounds a like a bit of like a, a team exploration. It is, yeah. It's like you finally find somebody who gets you on a level that's on something else. I, I'll give you a perfect example. One of the only things I am comfortable sharing, uh, we're, we're driving on a road trip and uh, everyone else in the car is asleep. There's like three of us, no, four of us in a huge freaking eight-seater car. Yeah. And uh, we pull over because Brooke needs to pee. And I was like, oh, I need to pee as well. So we both jump out and Brooke goes into the, the girl's restroom. And as she goes there, she grabs my hand and pulls me in with her. She goes, come on, quickie, go. And it's just like that kind of, and you got to remember that's two years into our relationship together. That's not like young love when you first meet. It's my best friend who just wants to grab me and have me because we've got five minutes out of everybody else on a two day road trip. And that, that chemistry, that, and there is another, like, I don't know why the sex is better with her than anyone else. There's something about her, drive her she's got this inherent sexiness that's out of this world you think it's biological as well yeah i think i think there's a biological element to it like i think there is some kind of whether it's pheromones or whether it's genetics or there's something else going on that i have with her that i haven't had with anyone else before and again it's not because i haven't had with so many it's just i've never met one that it's this intense i've had versions of it but nothing like this but at the same time this is a girl that like on wednesday night i sat up till two o'clock in the morning playing Dungeons and dragons with her with all my friends this is a girl who, for my birthday, knew that the correct place to take me wasn't a nightclub, but was to take me to a Magic the Gathering shop to buy me Magic cards. Right. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of person who, at the same time, knows that the correct place to take me is also a strip club and buy dances for me. And it's, it's that level of connection that I have with her that makes her unique and makes her special. It was that connection that Amanda saw that made Amanda realize that there's no place for her, for Amanda, when, when Brooke is there. It was the natural thing to do to get divorced. And it was completely amicable. Um, I can't tell you how the lawyers were trying to argue. We both hired lawyers to make sure the paperwork was done correctly. And the lawyers were trying to cause a fight. And me and Amanda would just be like, hey, we're going to phone each other and stop communicating between you two. Can you just do everything we say? And we don't want your advice anymore. And we just got on the phone. Like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Good. I was like, hey, my lawyer said this thing. I'm sorry I didn't tell them to do that. They're doing it themselves. Yeah. And Amanda's like, it didn't sound like it would be you. I was like, it really isn't. I'm so sorry. And we, we sat on the phone with the lawyers in the background for 20 minutes and hammered out the entire divorce. Um, we were both completely amicable. And it was things like, she's like, can I keep the sofa? I was like, keep the sofa. Right. And she goes, I don't want the TV. I was like, you know I wanted the TV, right? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> like, and so it was just so easy. She's like, I want the jewelry. I'm like, have all the jewelry. And she's like, you want the video games, obviously. I was like, of course. Yeah. It was the easiest divorce in the universe. Uh, it was lovely. And we're still best friends. She's in Moscow right now. She's on vacation. I know one of the guys that she's away with and, and they're having an amazing time. I'm so excited for her. Um, and at the same time, 
when I announced, and of course, you know, me, and, me and Brooke are pregnant now. We've got a, a baby on the way. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah, uh, due in February. When, when me and Brooke announced that we are having a baby, Amanda was one of the first people we told. Yep. And she sent a box of gifts for Brooke and for me. Right. Um, it's, and that's what our divorce was like. And that's what our relationship was like. Because, because we're open about each other and we communicate and we spoke. And, and we knew that the most important thing is that we're both happy, whether it's together or not. So as you characterize, I mean, your whole relationship with Amanda has not been typical. Right? Yes. Yeah. You could call that a success. Most people don't have, you know, it's a six year like success because you, you kind of went through all the stages, you realize that some things that weren't working together, which is normally where people kind of see it diving and start crashing, arguments and all sorts of things. What do you think it is that allowed you to turn that around and make it a success? And, you know, it's a great experience in your life. At the end of the day, you've got six years, which are good rather than. Yeah, I always say to people, like, I didn't fail at marriage, I succeeded at marriage. Marriage was great. I also succeeded at divorce. That was also great. The marriage ended. Marriages end all the time. Mm-hmm. At some point when you die, your marriage ends. You know, like it's going to end some point, somehow. We never idolized marriage. We didn't get married in a church with a whole bunch of our friends. We got married on a beach. Our marriage was for us. It wasn't for everybody else. We had a hippie church, uh, a hippie priest. And he was like really chill wearing a gold Rolex watch and he turned up in his Beamer. It was a very awesome marriage. It was for us and some close friends. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about this big ceremony under God where we're going to be together forever. It was, it made sense and we loved each other and it was wonderful. It was awesome. We worked at it. And as working at it, we found the most common or the obvious solution where we found the most common ground and worked with that. Eventually the correct solution for us was to separate. And like every other decision we made, it wasn't taken lightly. And and the, the divorce, the divorce itself was very quick, but the decision to separate was when we first decided to start seeing other people. It was as friends, let's see what happens. Let's follow this route. And the natural route was a separation, one that we both agreed with and were happy with. And there was, there was tears, but the tears were wonderful. We, there were tears together. We sat on a floor in our bedroom, hugging each other and crying and just saying all the wonderful things that had happened. Then she asked if she could keep the cuddly toys. And I told her, I want to keep my cat. It was very beautiful and very romantic as it should be. It's as romantic as Romeo and Juliet at the end. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's true love that had to end. And that's fine, and that's okay. And it's game that prepared me for that. Perhaps one of the things is also that you're prepared to let go. Yeah. It seems like one of the main things people go wrong is they go into it thinking, this is going to last forever, when the statistics are against them, to be quite frank. Yeah, completely. And also, like, people, they identify themselves based on their marriage. My marriage was uh, an addition to me. I'm still me, and and this is one of the things people don't get. I got divorced because I wanted to get divorced. But if I had an accident, I lost my left arm. I'm still me. I'm a bit different. But, but I'm not like, oh, not the same anymore. There are people that do identify themselves based on their left arm. I don't. I'm just me. And, and it's a part of me. And I love that part of me. And I, I'd hate to see it go. But if it had to go, it had to go. And it's the same with the marriage. It, it was an amazing thing. And, but Amanda's not gone from my life. I'm just not married to her anymore. Like, I don't get to have sex with her anymore. You know what? I had sex with her for many years. I had plenty of sex with that girl. I I don't need any more sex with that girl. Like, it's good. If I never have sex with her again, that's totally fine. The beautiful thing about game is that doesn't mean I will never have sex with her again. I don't ever want sex with her again. It's not something I ever want to work towards. I've taken extreme steps to ensure I don't have to ever have sex with her again. And I have more than enough sex with other people. So what have I really lost? I've still got her as a friend. I don't live with her anymore. That's not the end of the universe. I live with other people instead. Um, and, you know, when you live with somebody, there are good habits and bad habits. It made sense to lose the marriage. One of the best decisions I could possibly have made. It was as good as getting married in the first place. It was just as good. Getting married in the first place was a great decision. Yeah. To, this isn't the reason I got married, but 
I got an amazing visa out of getting married. I can now live in America permanently. What a great benefit from being married. Not the reason I got married, but a great thing to take from it. Yeah, you look like you're quite happy. Yeah, like I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. And actually, we decided to get divorced before my visa was finalized. But we both decided that we would try with the relationship and see if we could make it work throughout the visa process. And, and we stayed married a little bit beyond that as well, just to, to really give it a go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we walked into the office and the guy's like, you guys look like the most happily married couple. Because we were incredibly happy. Right. And we loved being together and we loved spending time together. But then it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Did you stay in contact weekly? Because I know we've all, weekly. You know, I have a lot of ex-girlfriends, which sure. I really like, and in a similar light, finished really well. Mm-hmm. And but I do find over time, and maybe it's got a bit to do with travel as well, not being in the same location. Like, sure. Where's Amanda living these days? Uh, she's in Texas. Right. She's so you just don't you don't bump into each other. It's, it's not as easy to stay in touch. Yeah. The thing is, people stay in touch for benefits, right? It's like, what do I get out of staying in touch? And if there's nothing to be gained and you're not chasing them, then you let it disappear. And sure, there are moments where me and Amanda don't speak every week, but by and large, we talk like once a week because she's one of my best friends. Right. Like to this day, when cool shit happens, I phone her up. And I'm like, you won't believe what happened today. Yeah. And I guarantee you when the baby's born, Amanda will be phoned within the same day. Um, I guarantee you that Amanda's going to want to come and see the baby. Yeah, man is going to have presents for the baby. A man is going to remember the baby on his birthday. That's what's going to happen. And that's cool. That's why I married her. That's, you know, she's an awesome human being. She was the first one to spot me and Brooke and say, you two should be together. She saw it first and she loved me enough to suggest that that's the right choice for me in life. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a great thing. And it's, again, it's, why do we learn game? We learn game. Guys think they learn game to get laid. That's maybe why you started learning. But it's not the real reason you learn. You don't game because you want choice, you want control, you don't want to feel like things are happening to you, you want to feel like you're controlling them. And I, I mastered it. I got my 10,000 hours in doing it, I got my 10,000 hours in teaching it. Yeah. You know, I, I, 20,000 hours now in, in game completely starts finishing and more. And, and I get it, I understand what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, everything I make, all the decisions I make are for myself. And a big part of that is knowing that my next step is the step I want. And this was an amazing journey. And then it brought me to my next step, which was a relationship with Brooke. And then the announcement that that came out recently is, of course, I'm now in a relationship with two women. Mm -hmm. And I have two girlfriends. And I live with them both. Uh, So this is Brooke and... Brooke and Jane. Uh, Jane's the other one. And I didn't make an announcement when it first happened because I'm not a marketing whore, I suppose. I didn't want to be like, oh, by the way, look at these two chicks that I pulled. Look how great I am. Which I know a lot of other PUAs do. For me, that wasn't unique. I've had two women multiple times. My relationship with Amanda, I was having other women and I was having, I had an orgy while I was still in my relationship with Amanda with, with four women at once and me being the only guy. So there was nothing unique to me about having multiple women. What was unique was that we were falling in love and that I'd never seen. I'd, I know like, you know, Mystery's ultimate goal in the game was to sleep, like have two women that lived in a house permanently with him and they're both his girlfriends. He's never done it to this day. I know that a few other top POAs, like and by top, I mean people from the game, their big dream in life was to live with two women and be happily, uh, you know, happily together. And none of them have done it. And how did this happen? Like, was it just... This, it started with, it started with Brooke. Mm-hmm. Brooke's had relationships with girls before. Right. And that's the key element that I think a lot of people miss. And Brooke's been exclusive with women, not touching men at all, mm-hmm. which is another reason why I think me and her get on because we understand we think a lot alike in those respects. And Brooke said to me, just so you know, being with you, I'm not going to stop seeing other women. It's going to happen. And you need to know about it. And you need to be cool with it. There are some times I'm just craving vagina and I need it in my face. And I was like, okay. 
I was like, but any girl you sleep with, I get to sleep with too. And I get to see girls too. And she's like, done, no problem if you can pick them up. And I was like, I don't care about it. I, I get that. And, uh, and we went out picking up chicks together. And we would go out and we'd pick up girls. We'd take them home and we'd fuck them. And then um, Brooke's kind of a fuck them and leave them kind of girl. So she'll fuck them and she loses interest and she wants them gone. Mm. I'm a fuck them and keep them kind of guy. I like to keep them around. Um, has that created any conflict? Uh, it has. <laughs> it has definitely created conflict. There's been a couple of girls that Brooke's just over and wants them out of her life. Yeah. And I'm still like, well, I really like her. Like, and Brooke's like, oh my God, get over it. What's well, an interesting problem? Fresh vagina. Like, get, <laughs> just tell her the fuck off and let's get another one. I think it does annoy her um, that you know, she's like, oh, you're so emotional. She's like, why do you get attached? Like, just fuck them. But that's, again, why she's so awesome, you know. Um, in many weird ways, she can be the guy in the relationship like that. You know, that's, she's got that, that drive to just fucking move on. Whereas I'm like, oh, these people are cool. Like, let's hang out. Um, except Jane. Jane... Jane was awesome. And Brooke and Jane, initially Brooke was the, the big drive for Jane. She liked Jane a lot and wanted to see her. And, and they were kind of staying in touch more than I was. And I felt like Jane didn't really care about me, mm. but we were still having sex together. So whatever. And then we came to LA and we stayed with Jane for a week. Um, this was about a year ago today. We stayed um, in LA for a week and we'd been seeing Jane for about six months already at that point. And when we came to LA, I had some of the best sex of my life. Um, I was having a threesome every morning and every night with the two of them without fail. And I was like, holy crap, this is, this is incredible. They did some very beautiful things for me. Uh, one of them was, uh, we went to a nightclub. I'm never going to forget this. And it's a bit, again, a little bit of details, but whatever. We went to this nightclub and they both put on matching collars with leashes. <laughs> and I walked in the club and I had these two hot girls making out with each other yeah. um, on a leash behind me. And I was just like, this is out of this world like I had guys high five me not knowing who I was just based on that alone it was just incredible experience it was for my birthday it wasn't just like a random occasion and it was a fetish club so it was a little bit more acceptable right it's not like you know it's not like we went to the Roosevelt Hotel or what have you and it was beautiful it was just a great experience and after that when we decided to move to LA Jane was living in LA already Jane helped with the move and we moved into her place first we stayed there for like a month and then we got our own apartment and Jane helped us move into the apartment and she helped Brooke drive all the stuff from Texas to, to LA. And one day, Jane was just there. And, and, you know, next thing we know, it's now been a year and a half. It's kind of one of those, yeah, like one of those things that kind of just happens yeah, organically. Yeah. It, just, it was just organically, now there's three of us. And it started, people started making comments. And, you know, a lot of people didn't even know that I got divorced because I didn't make a big deal out of that either. And, and sort of like trickled through, I told people. And the, the girls were kind of getting annoyed that every time I said something about going on a date, the first comment was, what about Amanda? What about Amanda? And I was like, I need to make an announcement. I need to tell people. Yeah. And we'd been in a relationship for a year and a half now. So they'd kind of been keeping it quiet from their families as well. Mm. Uh, Brooks from Texas. Um, so that's not the easiest thing in the world to let your family know, right. hey, I'm in a relationship with two people. Mm -hmm. Jane's from, from Russia mm. and her family, pretty strict. Not, you know, I don't know if you know, like the, the stance on any kind of uh, homosexual behavior right. in Russia, right. not really the best. Um, so it was tough for both of them to, to come out. Did, did um, they talk to their parents directly? No, nah, we just released the video. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, and you'll let them discover it? Or? Yeah, it's like they've seen it now. Okay. And, you know, I think everyone's sort of like just pretending it didn't really exist, but they've been speaking to their parents since and no one's really seen it. Well, it was a nice anything. video. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's an honest right. video. And it's like the, the 10 things you, you need to know about living with two women. And, you know, it's just an honest look at our lives no bullshit, no marketing, no hype, just this is what our lives are like. These are the issues that we have. And you get to see our dynamic. 
Um, and, you know, it's funny. There's one of my favorite comments that somebody wrote is like, you can tell that I keep looking at Brooke more than Jane. Right. And that's because me and Brooke have been together for like three years and me and Jane for like a year and a half. Yeah. And it's nothing against Jane. It's just, and, and Jane notices it sometimes. She's mm-hmm. like, I feel like I'm second. And I'm like, you're not second. You're just newer. That's <laughs> like, and, you know, and it's just different. So there's, there's all these. There's always going to be those kind of things. Because, you know, you've obviously had quite a bit of experience in the polyamory world. And sure. we've had a bunch of people on here talking about polyamory. We've written books on the subject. And these kind of boundaries and, and these little subtleties, these little things, they work themselves out over time, but it's communication, right? It's the that- biggest key. Oh my gosh. We were talking about this the other day. Like we need to sit down weekly and have a discussion, hmm. even if nothing's wrong. And I think that's something people don't talk about in relationships is like the importance of talking when everything's okay. Yeah. People, something's wrong. I need to speak to everyone. This is what's wrong. You need to get used to talking every week when things are right. Okay, that's interesting. So could you give some little example of like, would you start the conversation and be like, hey, I just want to talk about it. We've got to a point where now things are kind of like set. We have times. There's like a set time where oh, we're going to go and talk. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like a set thing. So it started with dates. Yeah. Um, dates were haphazard and that mm-hmm. wasn't working. So we had to have a set routine. Right. Girls don't like set routines for dates. Like if you tell somebody, hey, Monday night is date night, Thursday night is date night, Saturday night is date night. They can be like, well, what if I want to go out on a Tuesday night? And if someone, no, look, these are the... They're not mandatory, but these are the ones that we attempt to do. And if we have to shift from, like, for the top of this week, me and Brooke normally do Thursday nights, but we moved out to Tuesday night. And it's like me and Jane normally do Monday nights, but we moved out to Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. Tuesday was my birthday. So I got two dates, one with each of them on the day. It was, it was a different way of doing it. Yeah. But next week, it will revert back to Monday and Thursday. And these are important, like, making sure you have that balance. And there are set times to talk to each other as well. So... Uh, me and Brooke and me and Jane try and go on a set coffee date at a certain time. Is this all together? Separately and oh, together. Separately well. So, for example, Monday night is my date night with Jane, Thursday yeah. with Brooke. Saturday is all three of us together. Right. And they have a, a date day uh, where they go and do spas and nails and cool. stuff like that. And that's just as important, you know, like for the girls to get bonding time with just them. Uh, they went archery once without me, which was amazing <laughs> for them. And I was bummed because I think it's not archery. But it's important. They have to have that. And, and it's actually nice. The more jealous they make me, the better I feel in a relationship. I, I feel stronger and more, more towards the relationship, more part of the relationship when I'm the jealous one. Any, if either of them are jealous, the relationship gets harder. But when it's me that's jealous, everything's moving really smoothly. Why is, um, it, why is that? Is that because you can handle it? It's partly because I can handle it better, but also because when I get jealous, it drives me to run hard again, which means that the more jealous I am of the two of them being together, the more I work towards... The more, more effort. more effort I put in. And they feel more secure because I'm putting more effort in. Mm-hmm. When one of them feels jealous, I don't need to put any effort in. And then the person that feels jealous isn't getting any effort because I don't need to. Right. And so it, it sort of like works in reverse. There's these subtle things I've just noticed from being in a relationship. Yeah, great. But it's, I mean, it's awesome. Like, and of course, you're also basically being a dad already. Yeah, exactly. Because I've been raising uh, Oliver since he was 18 months. He knows yeah. me as dad. And he's a, an amazing child. I love him to bits. And he's nearly five now. Yeah. So, so you just told me a little, a nice little story about that, which I, you know, I'd love for you to share with everyone too, yeah. because that was a nice little moment. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, it's um, it's on my YouTube channel. It's something we'd all love to be able to do for our kids, you know. Yeah, I think I'm one of the first ones that's had to. Right. Um, I was curious about at what point do we learn approach anxiety because we're not born with it, mm. and I've seen it with Oliver. I actually, I've got a video on my YouTube channel of Oliver going out and picking up chicks. And he gave you a beautiful demonstration of his line that he memorized. Yeah. And, and he does. He walks up to girls randomly and says, hey, hey, cutie, I like your top. Put your number in my phone. So how old is he? He's four. And uh, he's been doing that since he was three. But for New Year's this year, he just about to turn four years old. And he'd already picked up, picked up girls on the street or whatever, got their phone numbers. So he, he had no fear of approaching. 
the way go to this party is this cute five-year-old girl in a little red dress. And he says, I'm going to go and dance with that girl. I'm like, you go, kid. I'm like, get it. He tells me what he's going to do. I make him action it. And off he goes. He goes up to her and he's like, hey, do you want to dance with me? And she's like, with you? He's like, yeah. And she's like, no. And his little heart broke. And he asked her again, um, come on, like, I just, I just want to dance with you. And she's like, I don't want to dance with you. And he sat off in the corner of the room alone, not in tears, just depressed. Like, I just saw it. And he'd been excited for this party for three days. It's all he'd been talking about. I want to dance. I want to dance. I want to dance. So I'm like, come on, go dance. He's like, I don't want to anymore. His mom's like, come dance with me, baby. Don't want to dance anymore. Don't want to dance with my mom. I don't want to dance with anyone. I just want to sit in the corner alone. And I looked at him and I saw the face of every student I've ever trained with. And I was like, this is the moment. At four years or three years old, not even four, he got his first rejection. And it's hit him so hard that three days of happiness are gone. And he's going to ruin his entire party. And if I leave him there, it's over. That's the end of his game. That's the end of everything. He's me all over again. And I was like, that's not happening to my little boy. Like, no way. And so his mom says, go and talk to Adam. She, he comes up to me and uh, I look at him and I go like, you don't know this about me yet. I was like, but as you get older, you will. I was like, I am uniquely suited to help you in your problem. I was like, I can make that girl dance with you. I know how to make it happen. And he's like, no, you can't. And I was like, oh, I can. I've done it for hundreds of people. I was like, you know, all the guys that come to the house. Like, and I'm like, you know, Joe and John and Mike and all these guys. He's like, yeah. I was like, I teach all of them how to do this. I'll teach you. I'll make her dance with you if you want. And he's like, how? I was like, you see those 12-year-old girls over there? So, right? I was like, go and ask them to dance. He goes, are they going to say no? I was like, they're going to say yes. He's like, why? I was like, because there's a big group of girls. They're older. They're not going to say no to you. You're too cute. I was like, so you go and say, go up, ask them if they'll dance. And when you're dancing with them, the five-year-old's going to want to dance too. And he's like, you sure? I'm, like, I'm sure. He goes up to 12-year-olds. He goes, shy, awkward. He's got approach anxiety nervous, hesitating, but he goes up to him and a few little nudges from me and his mom and he says to him, will you dance with me? And they go, sure. And they dance with him. Sure enough, five minutes later, they're all on the dance floor. The girl in the red dress walks up to him. Hey, can I dance with you? And he's like, sure you can. And he dances with the five-year-old. And then he loses interest in her because she's not as fun. She's not as good as the 12-year-olds. And uh, this is the bit of the story I didn't tell you. And after dancing with her for about 45 seconds, he ignores her, goes back to the 12-year-olds. He then goes upstairs with the 12-year-olds back to their bedroom where they sit watching Disney movies and he's sitting on the bed with four girls watching Disney movies and they think he's absolutely adorable. Um, he then gets in a fight with a four-year-old, some kid, and he punches him in the stomach and they're having like a, a brawl. <laughs> and I was like, it's your first party ever. I was like, you got over-approach anxiety. He took four women to bed and got in a fight. But like, you take after your old man, well done. And yeah, and he got high on sugar pop. He's <laughs> just like, you know, enjoying drinking Coca-Cola for the first time and getting a caffeine high. It was amazing. So it was the best party of his life. Yeah. And the, the approach anxiety never set in. But if that had happened, that would have been the moment. I would have been able to pinpoint the moment that my boy lost the ability to gain. Right. And that's pretty young. I mean, to be honest, if I look back, I can't remember what happened when I was four years old, but stuff could have happened when I was four, mm -hmm. five, or six. I don't remember it now, but it could have And that's it, yeah. Life, yeah. We may not remember. I mean, yeah. he's scared of heights mm -hmm. because before I met him, when his dad was still around, um, his dad let him fall off of a second-story building. And he's scared of heights. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know why he's scared of heights. He's got this completely irrational fear of heights. Even if you're holding him, he's scared. And it's because he fell two stories as a kid. And thankfully, nothing really bad happened to him. But it sticks with you. And he would never have been able to say to me when he's 18 years old, I don't know why I'm scared of that girl. She's going to reject me. I don't know where he would know that from. He's never going to be able to remember it was that moment in that party. Mm. But it's gone. Like, we dealt with it. We fixed it. I showed him there is a solution to your problem. It's not what you think it is. 
It's not just go back up to the girl and ask her again and again and again and say to her, why won't you dance with me? That isn't the solution. That is needy behavior. The solution is take a proactive approach that's scientifically proven to work. Yeah. This is what I teach my students and so I teach my little boy. That's great. You also brought up the social aspect there, mm-hmm. which is basically what you became known for. Yep. Way back when, what year was it? 2007? 2006, 2007. 2007 is when everyone else knew about it, but I was doing it since 2006. Right, right, in London. Yep. So we have an academy and we told them we were going to interview you and if they wanted any, uh, they wanted to throw any questions. And of course, that's what they focused on. Yeah. They're like, well, you know, Adam's done all of his social stuff. But some of the questions they were asking, it wasn't really about the club angle. It was like, how do we take people from our social lives, like work, all of these different social environments we go to, and bring them into kind of our dating lives. Or just bring them into our social circles and then take it from there. So it, it all comes down to people's ambitions, the things they care about. And this is one of the aspects that PUAs don't focus on. They're so busy thinking about how do I make myself more attractive. They don't think that the other person is a human being. Mm-hmm. They don't take into consideration their game should alter based on the other person. I bring it back to me, like, um, and with Brooke, why are me and Brooke best friends? We're best friends because we play Dungeons and Dragons together. We play Magic the Gathering together. We play video games together. We sat up till four o'clock in the morning playing games. Those people at work, why are you hanging out with them? I can't tell you how many students tell me, I really want to hang out with this girl for work. And I'm like, why? I'm like, because I like her. Why do you like her? Because she's hot. But is that the only reason? No. What else? Well, because I like her. Why? I like her. Like, no, you don't like her. You don't know shit about her. And I'll say to them, what does she do for fun? What are her ambitions in life? Why is she doing this job? Is this what she wants to do forever? What would she wish she can do? What does she do on a Thursday night at 9 p.m. when she's not coming out? What does she do? They can't answer any of those questions. I'm like, how the hell can you even possibly imagine being a friend if you do not know these things about her? I know Brooke and Jane's passions, desires, loves. I know what they want to do in life. I know the things that mean the most to them. But I also know that about every female in my life. I can pinpoint any girl who is a female I readily work with and, and hang out with or go to coffee with. I know all of the answers to those questions about them. And if you cannot answer those questions about girls, then you can't hang out with them. And the amount of times I see guys that are like, yeah, but if she likes me, I'm like, yeah, but that's the if. What if she doesn't like you? And they're like, well, I think she does. Yeah, but you don't know. I know these girls like me. I know for a fact they like me. I know for a fact they'll hang out with me. Uh, one of the top strippers in a club in Orange County is an incredibly good friend of mine. And I met her through my other friends. She will come meet me for a coffee anytime I invite her for a coffee. Not because she just likes me and wants to hang out for a coffee, but because when we meet up, we talk about things that she wants to achieve in life in the future beyond stripping. I don't ask her how was last night at the strip club. I'm not like, hey, we should hang out more often. These are pathetic things to talk about. We talk about what she wants to work towards. I legitimately analyze her business with her that she wants to set up and I give her suggestions on how to improve it. And that's what she's interested in for her future. Bingo, yeah, that's what she cares about. And so because it matters to her, she will always find time for me. And then guys make the mistake and yeah, well, she's just using you. Well, she's not using me any more than I'm using her because it's when I want to hang out. It's not when she wants to hang out. I'm not just doing it for her. I'm doing it for myself because it helps me as well. I had this great article about uh, with Ivanka Trump And somebody said to her, I don't think you love Donald Trump. I think you're only with him for his money. And Ivanka says, you don't know anything about me. I'm madly in love with Donald Trump. And I am no more with him for his money than he is with me for my looks. And of course, what she means by that is he's only with her for her looks. She's only with him for his money. But through that, they have fallen in love. 
And that's how this works. There is a value exchange. But the problem is guys think it has to be about looks and it has to be about money. And it doesn't have to be about those things. In mine and Brooke's case, our value exchange was Dungeons and Dragons. That was our value exchange. I created the story. She played it. We fell in love. And that value exchange can be anything. If you find a musician that you're in love with and you just happen to be an amazing music producer, the relationship will form over that. And then there's a reason to hang out. Then when you're hanging out, that's when your game kicks in. Any PUA who is only focused on his game, any, any guy out there who thinks, you know, I need to focus on my dating skills, you are missing the other half of the game that is going on. And they're the guys that fail when someone like me swoops in and, you know, he takes her out to dinner the night before and hangs out with her and maybe gets to make out with her. But then she has to get up early the next day because she's got this really important meeting. And he's like, man, I nearly had sex with her, but she had to go the next day to this meeting. And sure enough, she went out to dinner the night before with this guy and she made out with some other guy. But she sits with me for four hours straight in a meeting that she wants to be in. And then if I invite her out for a night in the town, she says yes, because she wants every minute with me. And then if I make out with her, and I invite her back to my place. And that guy says to her, meet me in the morning for breakfast. She flakes on the breakfast because she wants to fuck me because we have a connection beyond just the physical attraction, beyond just sexual attraction. There is a, a depth to that relationship, a depth that can't be touched by anybody else who doesn't go that deep. That's what social circle lets you do. Social circle gives you that, that boundary. You know, there are very few guys in the world who have ever slept with a 10 that didn't meet her through social circle. And that's because for a 10, the social circle is her safety. She uses it to know who she should and shouldn't be fucking. If you can't rise to the top of that social group, why would the 10 allow herself to fuck a seven? To a 10, she wants a 10. And a 10 is someone who can move into her social group and be the best. I had that situation with Amanda. One of my favorite stories about Amanda that never gets told publicly because when we were married, we didn't talk about it. But I think one of my greatest achievements with Amanda was one time I flew out to America to see her. And this was before we were dating, but we were kind of half dating. I went out to see her and she told me that she was going to dinner with another guy. She's like, there's this other guy. She's like, you know, you're in England. I only see you once every two months. She's like, I kind of, obviously she's not in sex, but she's a virgin. So I'm not in sex with her, but I do want to go to dinner with him. I like him. We planned it before. You came last minute. I didn't know you were going to be here. I'm not flaking on him for you, but I still want to hang out with you. And I was like, fine, no problem. And she's like, really? I was like, yeah, it's cool. I was like, your roommate's here. I'll go out with your roommate. Her roommate is another hot guy. I took her roommate out to a bar. And in the bar, I picked up every single girl in the bar with her roommate. 100% of the females. There was not a girl in that bar who wasn't sitting with me, having drinks and listening to stories about London. I was in a, a small town in America talking about London. I'm surrounded by women. I bought all of them drinks. I was the biggest, I suppose you could call it AFC, because I was buying everyone drinks, right? Everyone's like, oh my God. This is why I call myself AFC Adam, by the way, because I love using things that people say never work and making them work. And I'm surrounded by all these women. They all love me. They all want my phone number. And I'm happy to say, and there'll be somebody out there that's like, ha, Adam hung out with a bunch of girls and didn't get anything. I'm happy to say I didn't make out with a single one of them. I got all their phone numbers. I didn't want to make out with them. That wasn't the goal. The goal was very simply to show the roommate that when we go to a bar, I can have my pick of any woman in the bar. I then went back after being a perfect gentleman in the bar to the house. I didn't say shit. Amanda was already home when we got back. She'd already finished her dinner. She goes, wow, where did you guys go? And I was like, oh, we went out. We had a quiet drink in the bar. And I went to bed. And Amanda sits out talking to her roommate and finds the whole story. She walks into the room and she goes, I hear you're kind of a hit in the bar. And I was like, I was just chatting. You know me, I got a big mouth. She jumps straight on top of me, starts making out with me, going down on me. It's an incredible session. And she's just like, the other guy's kind of boring. 
And I was like, I'm sure he's great. You've got to give him a chance. And she goes, I don't want him. It's like, all right, don't give him a chance then. And it's because I became the 10 in her social circle. I went to her local bar with her friends and all of them thought I was amazing. And that's how I got her. And that's how anyone gets a girl in their prime. You have to be the best of the best of the best in whatever situation it is. And the way you're the best is depth. It's being more than just a cool So it sounds like the basis of this is being able to talk with people about, going back to what you were talking about earlier, it's being able to connect with people, talk about what they're interested in, and obviously just be confident. If you're going to be talking to a bunch of people at the same time, that's probably not where the guys at home want to start. They probably want to focus kind of on one-to-one relationships and start understanding people better at a, at a base. Yeah, here's the thing, like confidence, that phrase, right? It comes up all the time. Everyone's like, be confident, be confident, be confident. Um, it's banned in my company. You're not allowed to say be confident, actually. No instructor is allowed to say be confident to a student. We define confidence as experience. And if you're struggling to communicate with people or to have depth, yeah. I almost always find it's because you have no life experience. You've done the same fucking job for a long time. You've not really traveled. You don't really know anyone. And I find the more you travel, the more you collect life experiences, the more you push yourself and do strange things, the, the easier more you it is. Talk about and the more experience you can pull from. Yeah. So when you meet a girl that says, oh, yeah, I was uh, you know, part of the London School of Ballet, yeah. you can say, holy crap, you know what? Randomly, I did ballet for two years. And, and then you, you bust out you know, a couple of positions and like footsteps right. and, and what have you. And then they're like, holy crap, that's incredible. And you know, I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm telling you, I did that. I did ballet for two years. I did it. Not because I wanted to pick up girls, but because it was a fun thing to do. I was like, fuck it, I'll do some ballet. And I did. I became a qualified yoga instructor a couple of years back. Why? Not specifically to talk to girls about yoga, but because I wanted to be a yoga instructor. Not that I teach. I just did it for fun. But when I meet a girl that's into yoga, when I meet a girl that's into ballet, I can hold down those conversations. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a bar, some other PUA has recognized me, come up to talk to a girl that I'm talking to. And he started running some kind of game and spitting out some routines that I've heard before. Or maybe he's trying to be natural or maybe he's stating his sexual intent or whatever the fuck he's doing. And then the girl's going to look at me and she's going to say to the guy, oh, I'm sorry, we were just having a really interesting conversation. And he's like, man, Adam's game's really tight or holy crap. Like, and I'll say it, no POA has ever outgame me in a bar, never. And I've gone head to head with some of the best instructors and they can't outgame me. It's because they don't get that she would rather talk to me about ballet than she would listen to him stating his sexual intent. Because I'm also quietly, subtly showing my sexual intent because I'm not, <laughs> right, I'm not disinterested. Because like everyone, everyone thinks about the let's be, just be friends. I was actually at a conference the other night. I started talking to a guy next to me and he's talking to some girl in San Francisco and he doesn't sound like it's going so well. And he's like, I don't think I'm in the let's just be friends. I was like, this phrase is everywhere in society. It's not yeah. just like in people who are watching game or anything. But it's this fear. It's become this big fear because it's, it's pretty much everywhere in the news. So all these guys not getting anywhere are like, oh, let's be friends. I have to run away from anything that's anywhere near that. And actually, as you're showing... Embrace it. Let's Just Be Friends is my favorite place. And I'll tell you why. I actually have a, a program on this that I'm going to do something with. I don't know why. I've recorded it already. I just haven't released it yet. I don't know why, I'm, but I'm, I haven't. Um, and this isn't a weird pitch. It's really not released. And it's, I don't know when it will be. But um, I wrote a whole thing that was basically, fuck game put me in the friend zone and I'll get out of it every time. I love the friend zone. Friend zone is my favorite place to be. The friend zone lets me keep them in the friend zone so I can store them up for when I want to go and fuck them next. And I had a beautiful situation on Tuesday. So I'm, I'm in a relationship with two girls and I got a surprise birthday party, the best one I could ever imagine. I went out to dinner with Brooke. She arranged it. And Jane was getting ready to go out to a nightclub. And so I came home with Brooke and we walked in, but the house, all the lights were off. 
And so I was expecting like a surprise, whatever. Well, as I come into the, the room where we are now, I start noticing these black lights everywhere. And there's a stripper pole in the middle of my living room and all the sofas around the edge of the room. And you can see it's a, it's a big space. And in the room were all of my female friends. My two girlfriends turned my living room into a private strip club just for me for my birthday. And all of the girls I'm in the friend zone with were my strippers for the night. In lingerie, giving me lap dances, yeah. talking to me, throwing themselves all over me. I'll be in that friend zone any day. That's the best friend zone you could possibly be in. These are friends who some I've had some kind of intimacy with, some I haven't had that kind of intimacy with, but there they were all there, comfortable, being sexual around me, stripping for me, giving me uh, you know, a, an amazing show on poles. Girls that had never done pole dancing before, learning how to do pole dances as there was some, some of my friends strippers were teaching them how to dance. And I'm sitting in this room and I'm like, this is the best strip club I've ever been to in my life. It's, it's mine, it's free, it's all for me. And it was created by my girlfriends, which again shows how wonderful my girlfriends are. But more importantly, shows just how powerful if the friend zone is done correctly is. Because the difference is most guys get stuck in the friend zone because the girl's like, I have no sexual interest in you. Whereas there is no God in my life that has no sexual interest in me because all I do is talk about sex. I tell every girl within 20 seconds of meeting them or within 20 minutes of meeting them, just so you know, I've fucked every single girl that I'm friends with. I tell them as a fact, whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. I tell every girl, that's just how it is. I always fuck my female friends. At some point, I fuck my female friends. And I let them know, I was like, so you, wanna, you may want to consider that before we become friends. If you start hanging out with me, I was like, we're going to have sex. It's going to happen. I was like, and that's because like, I don't believe in, I have sex with people like I take them to dinner. I'm like, hey, let's go and have dinner. Let's, let's fucking see how we get on. And I was like, and there's a, a trust that built. And I get the girls say, yeah, I agree with you. And once I've got that done, I don't care about being in the friend zone. I'll be in the friend zone anytime. Because they know that I've already said, I've already made it clear. I'm probably going to have sex with them if we become friends. And then it never goes away. That sexuality keeps throughout the relationship. You know, I'll, I'll say, hey, my friends are throwing a bondage party next week. Do you want to come? And that's where we'll go. We'll go to dinner at or, or near a bondage club and go to a bondage club afterwards or or we'll sit down with like and we'll do pole lessons in my house the the pole that we have it's, it's actually our stripper pole and we do pole dancing lessons in our house for fun with our female friends and i'll invite every female friend i know come and be part of my pole dancing social circle of friends and brooke leads it to be honest it's all, that's all brooke i have no fear of the friend zone and you're right the average guy is stopped from truly progressing into game with a fear of the friend zone I was talking to somebody about this the other day. When you're overweight and you need to exercise and you need to get fit, stop eating donuts. It's a really good bit of advice. Don't ever eat a fucking donut. Just work out, eat chicken, eat broccoli. Don't eat donuts. Two years later, when you've lost the weight and you're fit and you're healthy and you get exercise, you can have a donut. It's okay. In certain diets, if you've got you know, a diet where you're having a cheat day, the donut's good. Kicks that metabolism and you can work for it again. It promotes whatever. Somebody who knows more about nutrition than me knows about it. But it's definitely a thing that I hear people talk about. But one thing's for sure, donut ain't going to kill you. And it makes you feel good for a bit. Gives you a bit of dopamine, a little bit of a cheat. Why not? That's what the friend zone is. When you have no game, the friend zone is the worst place to be. When you've started learning it and you understand it, nothing wrong with the friend zone. It's yeah. a great place to be. Get it back in your life. Use it. Grow. And then once you've got that friend zone and you've got game, oh, it's over. Add those girls to your friend circle, yeah. pick them out of it. I think mean, that's a great note to finish this off. Um, we ask everyone a couple of questions. So besides yourself, mm -hmm. who would you recommend as someone like quality advice about 
all of this kind of area of our lives, sex, relationships, dating? So without a doubt, the first one is Neil Strauss. And I can say this without a doubt. I've never been a student of Neil Strauss. I'm a friend. And I'm not fortunate enough to have learned from him. And I, I genuinely mean that. He's the real deal, man. I've met some guys that think they're the real deal. And they're like, yeah, very few people have game like us. And they'll, they'll refer to me and them being the same. Mm. And I go out with them. And I was out at, I was at a dinner with a, a, a famous marketing guy. Uh, he's helped a lot of big pickup companies launch. He's worked with pretty much all of the big companies. I think he's helping with their marketing. And we were at dinner and there were nine girls sitting next to us. And they were all stunning. And um, we're talking about going into business together. And he looks at me and he goes, do me a favor, just, just pick up the girls. And I went, okay. And I moved up. I sat next to them and I picked up all nine, right in front of them. No, didn't hesitate. After five minutes of me sitting there talking to me, he gets nervous and he leaves. I stay there for another, like 20 minutes, get phone numbers, talk to them, walk out. And uh, I was like, you left early. And he goes, well, I just didn't expect you to do it. I'm like, why not? And he goes, well, none of the others did. And I was like, wow, really? He goes, yeah, none of them did. He goes, they were just didn't do it. He goes, you did it. I was like, I'm the real deal, dude. I can do this. I can pick up chicks whenever I want. It's like, I always can. That's the point. It's like, they really didn't do it. And he goes, nah, they all just said, no, not now. Or this isn't the right moment. I was like, oh, it's always the right moment. If I want it, always the right moment. I can, can always just make it happen. I was like, and I want to go in business with you. I'm not going to start my relationship with you by not bringing the real deal. It's like, I, I can do it. And so Neil's the real deal. For whatever people have said or bullshit or whatever, I've seen him game. I've seen him out game people. I've been in a situation with Neil where it was me, Neil, three PUAs, good guys, really good, people that I would consider good, and two other girls, uh, sorry, three girls total. I got my girl, two girls left, three PUAs and Neil. Now you'd expect, maybe Neil gets one and one of the other guys get one. Neil took them both. Took them both home and had a threesome with them. All three guys couldn't even get one of the two girls off, off of Neil. Amazing game, incredible, very talented. So Neil's the real deal. And going back to what we were talking about, like the friend zone and experience of life. I mean, Neil, you know, he's a famous writer in his own right. And one of the things he's done throughout that writing career is explore new subjects, learn about new things. And he has Got a lot of experience to talk about. Got it. And that's he, game. He could talk for hours and hours and hours about all sorts of trouble. You know, subjects. And, and that's why Neil's going Neil's gonna to win. You know, you go head to head against Neil and you bring up your top topic. Mm. You think he hasn't heard it, spoken about it before or dealt with it. No, nah, man, he can riff. He can join you on it. You can't outmaneuver him. You have to beat him at his game. You're competing on a different level. He understands game and he understands life experiences. You know, if you say to him, oh yeah, so yeah, me and my friends went to Thailand. The girl's like, I've always wanted to go to Thailand. Neil's going to be like, let me recommend this beautiful place in Thailand. It only opened six months ago. And you're just going to be like, wait, I was there two years ago. Suddenly your story doesn't, it pales in comparison because he's traveling and seeing places and he knows so much. And that's the battle. That's the real element. Like these life experiences are worth so much. And... I mean, life's about experience. Yeah. So let's not forget that the aim in itself should be about getting experience in life. It's not all about girls either. Just so happens that getting life experience helps us with this aspect of our life. Yeah, you got it, man, 100%. And it's like, um, if, if it wasn't Neil, if I wasn't learning from Neil and I had to relearn my game again, there's a guy called Kerry who's... Who, Kerry? Kerry, mm. who is a student of mine. And he's become a very, he's my, one of my best friends. And he doesn't really teach. He teaches for me occasionally, but it's very hard to make him teach because he just doesn't want to anymore. He makes a lot of money doing tech help for people. I mean, he actually does tech for a lot of other PUA companies. I'd learned from him. He has memorized everything I've ever taught. And he's been sitting next to me for like six years. He knows all my content. And if I ever had some kind of accident where I lost everything, I would just say to him, hey, can I download your brain again? 
And I would say that. And, and still to this day, like I was teaching a student the other day and he goes, tell him the five promises. Right. And I'm like, it's stuff that you Yeah, forgot. and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot about it's the five so, promises. It's so annoying like, when you forget your own shit. Yeah, and he's just like, he's like, dude, the five promises is killer. The student's going to love that. Right. And sure enough, I'll t- but he doesn't forget a thing. He's got it all mm. notes, detailed. You know, he revises my content still to this day yeah. to keep up to date with it. And I, he's the one person, I think, if I went head to head with him, if he didn't give it to me and I actually had to compete against him, I don't know, man. It's a coin toss. It's a coin toss who would win there. Because cool. he's, he's got it. He, he understands it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's who I'd go to. So for guys who are taking their first steps in this part of their life, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them beginner stage, right? That's the nature of, of these kind of shows. What would be the top three things you would recommend they do? Like if they're starting from ground zero and they want to get results, of course, as fast as possible. Sure. It's funny. One of my instructors, one of the guys that taught me game, uh, he's a guy uh, by the name of Misha and he's based in Toronto. And he's an amazing instructor. I love him to bits. He's still a very good friend of mine. He's funny because he always says, if people go and try and learn from him now, he always just refers him to me. He's like, he's like Adam surpassed me years ago. He's like, go and talk to Adam. But, but he said to me once, uh, one of my students was like, I don't want to do that technique because it's like cheating. And he always quotes me and he goes, his favorite quote of Adam's is that Adam looked straight at him and said, it's not like cheating. It is cheating. Everything I teach is cheating. It's easier, faster, quicker, and it works. And if I'm going to give you tips, I'll give you cheats. Uh, this isn't the same shit that other people say. This is really easy stuff that will work. First thing is, what women do you already know in your life that you are in the friend zone with? Every girl you are in the friend zone with right now, get them, they owe you a favor. And their favor is to help you meet a woman. They all feel guilty they friend zoned you. I guaranteed it. They feel bad that it happened. Pull them to one side and say, hey, I need your help. Like, I loved you. I was mad in love with you. I really wanted to get with you. And obviously, we're just friends. And you would never go there with me now. And they'll be like, no, I don't know. Don't lie to me. We'd never go there now. There's a chance, by the way, that just saying that some of these girls are going to be like, no, that's not true. I just didn't know you liked me. So that's tip number one that's randomly going to happen. But in reality, most of the girls are going to be like, no, I I get it. Then say to them, help me. I want to meet women. I don't know how to do it. Come out with me. Be my wing girl. Help me meet people. And bam, just that alone, you don't have to cold approach anymore. The girl's going to do it for you. They're going to bring women to you. Get her to do your hair. Get her to buy you clothes. Literally give her $500 and say, I need my hair done. I need my clothes done. I need a fitness regime. What do I do? Let, and pick the hottest girl and ask her to do that for you. And she will. She'll make you over and she'll make you better. And everything she says, she's right. And everything you've ever learned in pick up is wrong. Whatever she says you should do. But make sure specifically it's fashion, clothes, fitness, where to go and get her to approach on your behalf. Making her approach on your behalf does something very important. It makes her not tell you bad shit. Sometimes girls give you bad advice, like get a nice car and girls will like you. Yeah. Once you tell her to do it for you, she will start self-calibrating and realizing that some of her advice is flawed and she will correct it faster than you can and she will bring women to you and help you get them. And then she'll watch what you're doing and she'll tell you everything you're doing wrong and then you can fix it and correct it. And that will help. It will help a lot. As long as you're doing game with that, because sometimes the girls will get it wrong, then you'll be fine. That'd be cheat number one. Cheat number two, make sure every single girl you meet, when you first meet them, tell them that you're incredibly sorry, but you have an issue of being inappropriate and talking about sex. Say, it just happens all the time. I'm so sorry about it. If you're easily offended, we probably shouldn't talk. Say that when you first meet every girl. If you met even a friend, I'd be like, hey, I'm Adam, lovely to meet you. Um, I, I feel I should warn you. I can be a bit inappropriate at times. I have this habit of talking about sex. Uh, I've got in trouble for it so many times before. I know it's kind of weird to just bring it up now, but this illustrates my point. I talk about sex all the time. If this is going to weird you out, then I'm going to be very polite and I'm going to excuse myself and step away. 
uh, but sex is likely to come up in the topic of conversation. Is that going to bother you? By saying that, you're going to get girls that are going to be like, yeah, fuck off, I don't want to talk to you. You're going to get a hell of a lot more say that's absolutely fine. Once that happens, make sure you talk about sex a lot. If you can't think of what to say, talk about Fifty Shades of Grey, the, t- uh, the movie that's coming out, talk about bondage, talk about tying people up, talk about sexual fantasies, make it a standard part of your conversation. If you've gone 24 hours without talking about sex to a girl, make sure you start talking about sex to a girl. Just talk about it. Don't talk about what you want to do. Don't even just quiz them on what they want. Right. Just be like, in your opinion, what do girls like? Right. The Fifty Shades example is a good one. Yeah. It's very popular. Fifty Shades is cheating. It's so good right now because it's in the press. Um, it's going to make it very easy next year to talk about sex to anybody. So, you know, 2015 is going to be a very easy year. Just an interesting point there. Have you seen, like, it seems you're in the, into the bondage, the mm-hmm. swinger area. Have you seen that expand due to the Fifty Shades books? And... I've seen a massive expansion. There. I've also seen a rejection of Fifty Shades from the actual hardcore community. I can imagine, yeah. LA's got a lot of sex parties that go down. It's actually funny. One of my friends invited me to one, and I was like, I'm sorry, dude, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to come out. And he's like, why? I was like, I have a sex party in my house every night. I live with two women. I was like, the reason people go to sex parties is to get variety. I have variety at home. I was like, my birthday, my girls invited a whole bunch of random girls to my house. I don't need new girls in my life. I don't need to go to a strip club or to go to a, I like going to strip clubs, but I don't need to go to like a sex club to try and get that sexual experience. I literally can have it in my house whenever I want by picking the girls I want to invite to it. But if you don't have that access, then it's a great way to go and explore and do something a bit different. And maybe become a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. And that, that's cool. Like, again, going to those sex clubs, you need to go as a couple. Mm-hmm. So people think that because they don't have a girlfriend, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. But you can find a girl you're in the friend zone with. If you've made that claim that you talk about sex, say to them, I've always wanted to go to a sex club. I don't want to go on my own. Don't say, I can't go on my own because they don't want to say, I don't want to go on my own. But look, I, I don't want to have sex with you because obviously I'm in the friend zone. You never would want to. Yeah. I was like, but I'd like to go. Would you go with me? And then we'll just separate when we're there and just have our own, have our own people. Right. I'll, just, I'll just pull out what you said because you said, don't say can't. Right? I don't want to. Exactly. That's, that's very important. You said it very subtly there, but it's it makes huge. a big difference. Yeah, don't say can't. It's, I don't want to. And it, makes, it, makes, it needs to come like it's your choice, always. Right. And actually, it's funny. Someone said to me once, if you ever doubt that Adam has game, sit and listen to how he talks in normal conversation and hear how particular he is about certain words. There are certain phrases you'll never hear me say, and that's because it's just so calculated. And it sounds simple, and I'll give advice that everyone's like, well, that's kind of basic, but there are those subtleties to it that are what makes the difference. And then I think the third tip, um, the, the biggest one, and this is the hardest. If you're a beginner, lose your quality. Don't worry about eights, nines, and tens. Start fucking fives and sixes. Just suck it up and go there. What happens is once you guarantee that every night you are getting laid by somebody that isn't your hand. Because what happens is guys are like, oh, I don't want to lower my quality. You know, I'd rather just jack off until I get an eight, nine, or a 10. Well, you know what? You're going to be jacking off a lot. Lower the quality first. My first girl is paled in comparison to the ones I sleep with now and, and that I have in my life. Remove quality. It's not about looks, ultimately. It's about personal connection. Get some girls that are lower quality but have a better connection. Learn about them, meet them, explore, expand, get regular sex from them. Tell them you only do open relationships. Don't get locked into a relationship. Don't bring them home to your mom for Thanksgiving. But enjoy an open relationship with girls that you're fucking. You will learn so much. You will no longer be needy because you don't need sex. You won't be frustrated with it. But then push to increase the quality. Some Which happens people. naturally for some people, not everyone. Yeah, exactly. Some people get lazy. Yeah. They start fucking the fives and sixes and they yeah. keep fucking the fives and right, sixes. Right. And you, you got to push for the quality. It's got to go up. I don't know. Is there any little trick to do that? Cause... Yeah, I do this thing where if I went back in the day, and again, I haven't done it for a long time, but I, I suggest people, if you fuck the five, that's fine. The next girl has to be a six. Right. Keep fucking the just, five. Just have a little rule or something. Yeah, like and then start fucking the six. And then you yeah. should be fucking a five and a six. Or like if you're seeing three girls and you're seeing a five and a 
and, and two sixes, or you're like, okay, well, maybe I'll, I'll go carry on going out meeting other girls, and you know, when I meet, uh, there's no point in meeting anything else but a seven. Exactly. Don't approach anything yeah. other than the next number. Right. And say, oh, I'm only going to see three girls, and then you can say goodbye to the five eventually. And that's exactly like, oh, six, how to do it. Seven, yeah, it, and it's so easy. And then after it takes time, but like six months later, you'll find yourself with a pair of sevens and an eight. And you're in an open relationship with all of them. You're like, wow, the quality is good. And then once you have the A, it makes it easier to get the other ones. And if you want to desensitize yourself to hot girls, join a spin cycling class, go on a weekly basis. Don't worry about picking them up. Just go there. You'll see really hot girls sweating, looking ugly. And just get in the friend zone with those 10s. When you're friends with 10s, picking up 10s becomes really easy. Because you just assume that that quality of women is what all women look like. When I had my private strip club, the one that was here... Mm. Every single girl was stunning. Like everyone, there was not an ugly girl in the house. They were all beautiful. They were all girls that, uh, one of them was a professional actress. She's been in like big feature films. Another one was like one of the top dancers at Spearman Rhino in Vegas. This was a high caliber of women at my party. There was no customary fat chick. There was no awkward Asian girl that was there. You know, every girl was stunning, hot, beautiful. Um, and you know, my two girlfriends were amongst those group of just stunning women. And that's what the quality should be like eventually. It should be amazing. And it's funny, I've had people, you know, Amanda was a Ford model and I had people find pictures of her and be like, she's a four at best. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, there are people in the world that were paying her thousands of dollars per day to sit there and pose in photographs. And that's the point. You can always look at somebody in the right light and be like, that girl's not hot. But ultimately there is a category of beauty that a girl in the right dress with the right makeup and everything fits into. And every single girl at my party at some point in her life has some photos or has been at an event where someone has looked at them and been like, that's a 10 and that's the hottest girl in this room. Every single one of them. And that's the kind of quality that, that eventually you should get to and that you should have. And, and bear in mind, these are girls that, that I am in the sexual friend zone. I suppose that should be a new phrase in comedy. Let's plug it. The sexual friend zone, which is the one you want to be in. And the sexual friend zone is amazing. Adam, if you will finish there, thank you so much for your time. For Mate, today, it, was, uh, it was a pleasure. Listen, I don't know if you do this, if anyone's listening and they want to learn or, or want to find out more, we've changed our model of teaching. Uh -huh. uh, we don't have boot camps. We don't have um, that That's kind of thing anymore. Yeah, we only want to create a system that works. Mm -hmm. And so we've done two things. It's kind of unfair, but it's kind of awesome. I like stacking the deck. Everything I've taught here, like I said, these aren't tips, these are cheats. And I'm stacking my deck with teaching now. I don't just accept anyone. I've created a process that lets me identify which students will get success and which ones basically will just fuck around and won't get it done. Okay. And we've created this application form. Hmm. And a student can fill in the application form. We go through it. It's a three-step process. There's a form. They go through round one of interviews. Uh -huh. They go through round two of interviews. Cool. And only people that get through all three rounds can train. And when they train, it's private, one-on-one, -on -one, either with myself or with one of my instructors. It's expensive. It's not cheap. Having said that, it guarantees results. Because we've got a student that we know wants to get good. And we have skills to make them good. And so, you know, for someone who wants to be elite and wants to get very good, it's the best way to do it. So if somebody's listening to this, and I suspect there's going to be very few people that want to do this because it's only going to be the ones that really want to get good. There is a video that explains about the application process uh -huh. and gets them going. And they can find it at training.attractionexplained.com. And if they click on that link, or you can just type in training.attractionexplained.com and it will take them through where they can apply. Great. Thanks for that, Adam. Mate, thank you. Pleasure. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode.
Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at datingskillsreview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.